I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On October 8th, 1970, James Cross was enjoying a morning of calm following his birthday celebration. He heard the doorbell ring and his maid open the door to three delivery men dropping off a late birthday package. James turned with a smile to see what he was getting, only to be met with the barrel of a gun. The delivery men marched James into a waiting van and forcefully took him to an undisclosed location. What happened next became one of the most debated decisions in Canadian history. Stay tuned to hear all about that on The Reluctant Historian. I'm Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. So, if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. We would like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement and recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. Okay, Coda, what do you think today's topic is about? Jesus. What? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay, bear with me. Okay? okay. So James Cross. Got it. There's a there's a hint in the name. Can mm-hmm. you guess what that hint is? The crucifix. Yes. The cross. Got it. So as we all know, Jesus was Canadian. True. Yeah. He was born in the town of Edmonton, Alberta. Right. <laughs> Back when it was a town. Uh-huh. Now we all know this is this was written in the Bible, okay? That that you have read. Uh, that I have. Re- I've read the whole thing. I know. Who are you to argue with me? I'm okay? not. I. This, I'm saying you're true. Yeah, I am true. So, as we know, the people who showed up to Jesus's door <laughs> to crucify him mm-hmm. had a gun, <laughs> and they said, "You're coming with me." James Cross, as mm-hmm. they did quotations, and then, and then uh, uh, James Cross, aka Jesus, was like, "You'll never take me alive." They took him alive. Yeah. Um, it, Jesus, James Cross, is afraid of guns. Fair. So when they pulled out a gun, there he was like, "You're gonna take me alive." <laughs> <laughs> Guess I'm coming with you. Yeah. And then they took him to an undisclosed location, yeah. which as time has passed we have found out was red deer alberta Mm -hmm. which is a few hours away from his homeland of edmonton where he was birthed in a manger i was gonna say like a common misconception i was gonna say no no i was gonna say that is a misconception it was actually a travel lodge (laughs) Uh, you know i don't know if other places have is travel lodge Canadian or is it widely? I don't know. Whatever. It's a hotel. (laughs) He was born in a hotel. Uh, So they took him. They crucified him. And then he came back like a motherfucker three days later and said, I'm going to smoke these fools as he put on his sunglasses. And now he's not afraid of guns. Good. Because he has a a sawed off shotgun and he went and killed all those motherfuckers. This is an interesting Jesus. I This is the Jesus I know. <laughs> Why do you think I follow him? Like I, you know the... He's all about revenge and like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Paying back <laughs> wrongs that have been done to him. Exactly. Yeah, oh, that's fuck. what Jesus I wanna see for. the I wanna see this passion of the Christ. <laughs> so am I on the mark? Not at all. Son of a bitch. Yeah. So today's episode is about a Canadian event that happened in the 70s concerning Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, and the invoking of the War Measures Act. Oh, interesting. Today, I'm going to be talking about the October crisis. Okay, cool. This is interesting because are you kind of going to go into what is going on or what went on? Well, I was hoping we could talk about it at the end. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I, when I started researching this, I got so freaking hype. I don't know. <laughs> I remember you came home and I was just like, oh, I'm so jazzed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. That might have it... been the cocaine, though. It probably was. I don't actually do cocaine for any employers that might be listening. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but, no, I don't actually do it. Like, okay. don't get me fired. Okay. I'm your sugar mama. That's true. <laughs> uh yeah anyways i don't know why it like super hyped me up but i was like i'm i'm very jazzed about this and it was very interesting so okay yeah. i think my jesus story would be more interesting but like i guess we'll see we'll let the listeners decide that's true what's your golden nugget my sister moved she did she bought her first house she did which is very exciting yeah but that's not my golden nugget okay that, that's very cool i'm very happy for her well, that's not will, your that, yeah that will be her golden nugget Got it. okay my golden nugget is that she hired movers <laughs> So for the first time in the history of her moving, I haven't had to help really. Mm-hmm. I helped move boxes around the house and stuff like that, but like, you know, I didn't have to actually spend an entire day, which I of course would have, because mm-hmm. that's what I, you know, we do. But yeah, I told her that if she hadn't hired movers, I would have been like hiding somewhere and yeah. unavailable. Well, to you help the you fucking you fucking hate. Moving, I really do. So. I don't know what it is. I have a very severe hate for moving things. Yeah. So when we're moving stuff around, it's just it's dreadful. <laughs> I know because I just sit there you, and you bitch the entire I time. I do, I, and then I go. I I'm, hate this. I'm this miserable. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Just so you know that I yeah. don't like it. I don't. I don't want you to forget. Yeah, um, I would never think that one day i like movie no no of course not so yeah that is my golden nugget was yours i love that little golden gold i love that little golden nugget for you thank you thank you uh yeah we are on a podcasting network now yes we are i wasn't sure if we're going to talk about that this week or not uh because we haven't got the logo treatment added to it correct but yeah tell the listeners about that uh yeah so we were approached by that's not canon an australian podcasting network and boy governor wait that's that's, that's british Europe. <laughs> oh, uh, i've uh, uh, i want to put on the bar, barbie sorry john um, <laughs> oh wait you're a kiwi jk yeah <laughs> anyways yes so um we are now part of this network so there's a lot of things that are available to us in terms of networking um and hosting of the podcast and hopefully it'll allow us to grow so you might see some other changes coming to like our logos and stuff not necessarily to the format of our podcast yeah that's a nice thing is that it's very it feels very hands-off in the sense that um you know they're not telling us what kind of content to produce Mm -hmm. they're just their goal is just to help indie podcasters grow Mm -hmm. and so don't worry, even though we're sellouts now, yes. I'm not going to censor my Jesus jokes. Right. So. Um, we also might do a few more promos of other podcasts on our network, so that might be something you'll hear at the end of our shows. Yeah, and maybe we'll throw in ads just so we can make some money off of it. Oh my this. gosh. Like, <laughs> I love doing this. Like, yeah. I love researching. I get, like you said, I get, or heard at least, I get super jazzed about the researching and telling you these stories. But it is a lot of work and yeah. it would be lovely to, you know, have some money compensation for the work that we do for this. Yeah, I personally have always been about the money. <laughs> I only do this in the hopes of becoming rich and famous. Yes. So. Yeah, I know. Also, I, the other thing that I think is really cool is actually having fans. So, like, we have yeah. a couple fans um, that we talk about on the show because these are people that aren't our family or our friends that listen to mm. us and that's a really cool thing so it would be great to have more fans and we yeah. could like make a name for them and obviously we can't name them you told me we couldn't do that oh yeah because like then that comes across as i don't know the fans got to name themselves kind of mm-hmm. thing but you know the other thing is though i'm i'm a very by nature i'm just i'm incredibly jealous okay just like i'm the worst i'm not actually but uh <laughs> for this bit i am so you're not a, if you're a fan of us you're not allowed to listen to other podcasts okay you know why <laughs> because you're our only fans boom you that was a good joke thank you i thought so too <laughs> i was trying to work it out of my head how to bring only fans into this so love that there we go yeah um little side note i'm gonna try and be nicer to you on the show i feel like i don't like support you and laugh enough 
or like give you enough airtime for your jokes. So my goal going forward is to like really support you. That's nice. I'm not going to pay you the same courtesy. (laughs) (laughs) Fives across the board. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be just as vicious as ever. (laughs) Perfect. I don't feel like you're that mean to me on this podcast. I've noticed it a lot more lately. I guess you re-listen. Yeah, I listen to it a lot. So I'm like, oh, that was kind of like harsh on my part. Yeah. So... I think it's because I just get like really into the story and like you're off. I ruin it. You're so. <laughs> off talking about something else. And I'm like, no, we just need to like get back to the story. So I don't like yeah. engage you as much as maybe I could. That's fair. <laughs> you need to be more engaging for me and our listeners. Got okay. It. All right. Uh, so take us away. Yeah. Let's so learn act- about Jesus. <laughs> so I've actually been curious about this topic for a really long time, the oh. October crisis. Uh, I have a little bit of knowledge about what happened, but I've never gotten into the nitty gritty details. So now with the truck occupation of Ottawa, which is actually mostly over, but it wasn't when I was writing this, and Justin Trudeau's invoking of the Emergency Response Act, I figured it would be a great time to look at this piece of Canadian history. To me, it's a real heavy piece of history, something like what I would study in a university class. So I'll try my darndest to clarify it for you, Coda. (laughs) Thank you, because I'm... I'm a lowly dropout of university. <laughs> I don't know what to beep boop. I don't know what to fucking uh, math. I don't know uh, my my uh, cosine or tan. I don't you know what what is the Pythagorean theorem? A squared plus b squared equals c squared. Yeah, I know that. Okay, <laughs> go fuck yourself. <laughs> See, I'm not gonna be nicer to you. <laughs> So the October crisis refers to a chain of events that took place in Quebec in the fall of 1970. Not like the fall of 1970, like it collapsing, but like the the autumn. The autumn. The autumn of 1970. Yeah. Um, The crisis itself was a culmination of a long series of terrorist attacks perpetuated by the Front de Libération de Quebec, or the FLQ. Yeah, for that better. Yeah. Instead of saying front, they say front. Yes. Uh, The FLQ was a militant Quebec separatist group founded in the early 1960s with the aim of establishing an independent and socialist Quebec through violent means. So this was actually quite cultural in North America at the time. There were also things like this happening in America where there was like lots of internal terrorist attacks, which I thought Mm -hmm. was quite interesting. So anyways, this was a time of profound political, social and cultural change in Quebec. Members of the FLQ were influenced by anti-colonial and communist movements in other parts of the world, particularly Algeria and Cuba. They shared a conviction that Quebec must liberate itself from the Anglophone domination and capitalism through armed struggle. Their objective was to destroy the influence of English colonialism by attacking its symbols, and they hoped that Quebecers would follow their example and rise up to overthrow their colonial oppressors. So I'm kind of like, this sounds cool, uh, but I don't like violence, and so don't know why they decided to do the terrorist route rather than the non-terrorist route of trying to get this stuff. Yeah. Also, we don't love communism. <laughs> so we don't love terrorists? <laughs> that too. Um, socialism's cool, though. Hippie. <laughs> Sorry, I got to speak for our fans. Conservative for listeners, For our only yeah. fans that might not be that's fair. into that right, that's hippie fair. shit. <laughs> the FLQ practiced something called propaganda of the deed. The deed. Yes. Yeah, so like, like sex? No, like action. But whenever you say the deed, it means sex. Not always. Whenever I say the deed, <laughs> it means sex. Okay, well, they're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> Propaganda of the deed is a... Sorry. Sp- <laughs> sorry, sorry. One more, one more. Oh, <laughs> uh, when we buy our new house. I don't know how deeds work. Like, you know, yeah. like, uh, but uh, <laughs> our uh, uh, banker will be like, here's the deed to your house. And I'll be like, Okay, unzips pants. No! (laughs) (laughs) All right. Propaganda of the deed is a specific political direct action meant to set an example to others who may be turned to the practice of the group's cause and also to serve as a catalyst for revolution. It is primarily associated with acts of violence by those who support insurrectionary anarchism. Propaganda of the deed includes bombings and assassinations aimed at the ruling class, and the deeds are intended to ignite the spirit of revolt in the people by demonstrating that the state is not omnipotent and by offering hope to the downtrodden. This means has its roots in late 19th and early 20th century movements, especially in Europe. 
1963 and 1970, the FLQ conducted over 200 violent attacks, including bombings and robberies, which killed six people and injured many more. Their targets included numerous mailboxes in Westmount, a wealthy Anglophone area of Montreal, several Canadian armed forced armories and facilities, the head office of the Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce, so CIBC, in Montreal, a federal government bookstore, McGill University, the residence of Montreal Mayor Jean Drapeau, the Provincial Department of Labor, and the Eaton's Department Store in downtown Montreal. So they bombed all those places. Oh, wow. In a strategic move, FLQ members stole several tons of dynamite from military and industrial sites. Financed by the robberies, they also threatened, via their communication orga La Cogni, that more attacks were to come. A quick question. So I'm bad at listening, so you might have already answered this, but why were they bombing these places? Oh, they wanted Quebec to be a separatist socialist state or oh. country. Isn't that still the case? There Don't are they still, still want to be separate? Yeah, like the Bloc Québécois is a separatist right. group. But like Quebec doesn't like being a part of Canada. You, isn't that true? Like, yes. I mean, I'm sure there are Quebecians that do, but a wide movement is that I mean, we did have a wants to separate from us. Yeah. In 96, we did have a referendum on that that was voted uh, 51% to stay in Canada, 49% to leave Canada. So like that was close. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like that's a it's a it's a a feeling that's dominated a lot of Quebec. Yeah. So interesting fact to me. Yeah, I'll judge that. But but I guess it's good that you said to me because like (laughs) now my. I'll be the judge of that line doesn't work. In 1967, the group received support from Charles de Gaulle, who was the president of France at the time, and prior to that was a super important general in World War II. So de Gaulle was standing on a balcony in Montreal, because he was there for the World Expo, when he shouted, Vive le Quebec libre, meaning long live free Quebec. De Gaulle was promptly rebuked by then Prime Minister Lester Pearson, who stated that the people of Canada are free. Every province in Canada is free. Canadians do not need to be liberated. Indeed, many thousands of Canadians gave their lives in two world wars in the liberation of France and other European countries. So this uh, exchange to me is quite bonkers because it's really interesting that this like French prime minister would be like, I think this random group in Canada should be set free. Like for yeah. a, a prime minister to like kind of interfere with other nations what they're doing um, is quite interesting to me. Yeah. So, but it's not unheard of. There are lots of instances where other foreign countries support terrorist groups, uh, but it just seems wild that the French president would support a terrorist group in an allied country. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but moving on, the group was also responsible for an event called the Montreal stock exchange bombing, a domestic terrorist attack bombing of the Montreal stock exchange building in Montreal on February 12th, 1969. The blast happened approximately 40 minutes before the end of trading and ended up injuring 27 people. It also destroyed a large portion of the trading floor, visitor gallery, and the building's northeast wall, causing nearly 1 million in property damage. This attack was the biggest in the FLQ's bombing campaign and the last major incident before the October crisis in 1970. By 1970, more than 20 FLQ members were imprisoned for these acts of violence. Four members were sentenced to between 6 to 12 years of imprisonment after pleading guilty to manslaughter in the death of a night watchman at an armed forces recruitment center in April 1963. One of these men, Pierre-Paul Gioffrey, was responsible for 31 bombings, including the explosion at the Montreal Stock Exchange. He received 124 life sentences plus 25 years, which was, at the time, the longest prison sentence ever given in the British Commonwealth. How long was it? 124 life sentences plus 25 years which like in canada we don't do that anymore yeah like what i know they do that in the states right still yeah why what is the point of it is it like um to give like four life sentences are they being like well just in case science develops enough so that (laughs) you so that you might you know be a head in a jar that can live forever you have to be there for four life sentences it sounds like a child being like, I'm super duper serious about this. That you're right. You yes. Because <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yes. So I think it actually speaks more to like the intent of both the Canadian legal system and the American legal system. So in America, they're more, they, they care more about justice 
and the persecution of crimes. So if somebody does something super heinous, they can be like, that was really bad. Like you're saying, uh, we're going to give you 24 life sentences. Whereas in Canada, we believe more in reform. So for us, a life sentence isn't really actually a life sentence. Yeah. Which uh, is, th- there's, th- be- there's problems with both. <laughs> yes. But like we inherently believe that people by going to prison can be reformed and become productive members of society. Whereas in America, they just believe that that's where they go to rot. Yeah. So. Right. Hmm. Well, we won't get into <laughs> my thoughts on just the justice system and whatever, but it's, I don't think I love either. <laughs> That's fair. I would there, like Sweden, what's this? There's a, there's a Danish country that does it really well. Yeah, I mean, they do it way better than all of us. It's true. I feel like, isn't it Sweden that just does everything better? I can't remember. Maybe Sweden. It's one of those countries that is just like, everything is better there. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so we have a terrorist organization running around Quebec, bombing places, and trying to achieve their means by violence. So that makes Quebec its own separate nation. For me, it's wild to hear about everything that they were doing because I know violent attempts at revolution are not new by any means, but I just didn't realize that Canada also had that as a part of our history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a bit surprising to hear. This was, he said, what, in the 70s or yeah. 80s? 70s? Yeah. Yeah, like that's surprising that, you know, seeing what's kind of, what was happening in Ottawa, which wasn't to the level of bombings, mm-hmm. but that it was... um like that seemed huge and Mm -hmm. of course it was but Mm -hmm. like it's crazy that something else like that has happened yeah 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 in the fall slash autumn of 1969 the remaining the remaining flq movement split into two distinct montreal-based cells the south shore gang which became the chenier cell was led by a man named paul rose we're gonna call ourselves the south shore gang you see other members were his brother Jacques Rose, Bernard Lorty, and Francis Simard. The Liberation Cell was led by Jacques Lancote, and other members of that group were his sister Louise Lancote and her husband Jacques Cosette Trudel. I, f- I feel like I got to translate. Uh, so we got uh, Jack Cotel, and what was a couple of what was another name? Uh, Jacques Cosette Trudel. Jacques Jack Cosette. <laughs> Cotel. Trudel. Tr- Trudel. <laughs> that sounds a little bit too French still. Uh, truthal. <laughs> because that is uh, the American way. Uh, Truth. That's, yep. As well as Mark Carboneau, Nigel Berry Jommer. N- and- Nigel Berry, like from the, uh, uh, the Wild, Wild Thornberries. <laughs> is that him? No. Is he a bomber? Is he a terrorist? No. And Yves Lengua. Uh, Yves Lengua. Eves. Eves. Lingua. Uh, Evie Linguini. Linguini is Italian. It's not even English. I know, but that's the best I could do. In February 1970, Jacques Lancotte was arrested in Montreal when he was found with a sawed-off shotgun. Hey! You yeah. see Jesus? <laughs> then, in June of the same year, police raided a home in the small community of Prevost, located north of Montreal in the Laurentian Mountains, and found firearms, ammunition, 300 pounds of dynamite, detonators, and the draft of a ransom note that they were planning to use in the kidnapping of the United States Council. Oh, they were going to kidnap all those people? Well, just the United States Council. So, like, uh, the, the the counselor guy, the guy that, like... Sorry, one guy? One guy. Oh, council. I thought it was, like, the Council of Seven or something. No, sorry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that can be a word. And a, a phrase that is used. Don't talk down to me. <laughs> I thought you were going to be nicer to me. But I was trying to be nice. <laughs> Continue. Then in October 1970, all hell broke loose. What? Shortly after 8 a.m. on October 5th, 1970, three armed members of the Liberation Cell kidnapped British Trade Commissioner James Cross from his home in Montreal. The kidnappers were disguised as delivery men bringing a package for his recent birthday. Once the maid let them into the house, they pulled out a revolver and a rifle and forced Cross to go with them. By 3 p.m., ransom notes were delivered to the authorities containing the kidnappers' demands. In exchange for the release of Cross, the cell issued seven demands. Sorry, and which one was Cross, like, in this case? Like, who was he? Why were they kidnapping him? Was he the council? 
No, he's just a British trade commissioner. Like the British. Or so he'd like you to believe. <laughs> he's actually Jesus. Of course. Yeah, no, he he was just a British government person that was living in Montreal oh, doing okay. government stuff. <laughs> I'm doing I'm here doing business. <laughs> And he's wearing, like, he's just a, a three kids in an oversized <laughs> <laughs> suit. Yeah. In exchange for the release of Cross, the cell issued seven demands. They included the release of 23 FLQ political prisoners, the broadcast and publication of the FLQ manifesto. So that part was interesting because our truck occupiers, they released their manifesto just on the internet. So, like, these guys could have done that if they had had the internet back then. Yeah. $500,000, publication of the names of police informants of terrorist activities, the cessation of all police search activities, and safe passage to Cuba or Algeria. The Quebec government was given 24 hours to comply, and it rejected the ultimatum, but indicated that Quebec was willing to negotiate. On October 6, Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau declared that any decision regarding the demands of the terrorists would be taken jointly by the federal government and the government of Quebec. Notes from the FLQ were received by a radio station with death threats to cross if demands were not met. So they're, the government is kind of willing to hear them out? Yeah. <laughs> so the our slo- the slogan should be, we sometimes negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Several newspapers did publish the FLQ manifesto this day, although it was not published in its entirety by the Anglophone press in Canada. This was followed by police raids that started at dawn on October 7th. 30 people were arrested this day, and the Quebec Minister of Justice stated that he was available and open for negotiations at any time. Parti Quebecois leader René Levesque published a newspaper article imploring the FLQ not to inflict violence on Cross or anyone else, and in an apparent desire to diminish tension, the FLQ manifesto was read aloud on Radio-Canada on October 8th. Radio-Canada. The Liberation Cell then provided proof that Cross was still alive and extended its deadline for its demands to be met to October 10th at 6pm. Otherwise, the cell said it would execute Cross. On October 10th, shortly before the 6pm deadline, Quebec Justice Minister Jérôme Choquette announced that if Cross was released, the Liberation Cell would be granted safe passage out of Canada, but none of their other demands would be met. Shortly after the deadline passed, two masked members of the Chenier cell kidnapped Quebec cabinet minister Pierre Laporte while he was playing with his nephew on the front lawn. Oh, I know. That must be traumatizing for that kid. Well, just you wait. Okay. They had found his address in the phone book. Oh, shit. Following the kidnapping of Laporte, elected officials in Quebec flooded the police with requests for protection, and Robert Lemieux, a lawyer representing the FLQ, was arrested. On October 11th, the Chenier cell issued a communication that took a more militant tone than the Liberation cell, in which they threatened to kill Laporte unless all seven demands were met by 10 p.m. It also released two letters written by Laporte, one to his wife and one to the Quebec premier, Robert Bourassa. In his letter to Bourassa, Laporte pleaded with the premier to save his life. He wrote that he was the last adult male in his family, having responsibilities not only for his own children, but those of his brother as well. The tone of this letter was emotional and addressed personally to his friend Robert. Shortly before 10 p.m., Barassa announced on the radio that he would not meet the FLQ's demands, but that he was open to further negotiations. The Chenier cell responded by postponing Laporte's execution. On October 12th, Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau asked the Canadian Armed Forces to deploy soldiers in Ottawa to protect high-profile people and locations. The next day, a CBC reporter questioned Trudeau at the front entrance of the Parliament buildings. The reporter expressed concern about the heavy military presence in the city, to which Trudeau replied, Yes, well, there are a lot of bleeding hearts around who just don't like to see people with helmets and guns. All I can say is go on and bleed. But it, is more, but it is more important to keep law and order in the society than to be worried about weak-kneed people. What does the mean? What? Is he, is he just calling everyone in the city pussies? Yes. <laughs> wow i know i was like could you imagine justin trudeau saying that right now like the uproar would be wild i don't know i but in a way i could see him doing it because like well he kind of did well yeah during all this stuff in ottawa he just got pissed and was like just almost yelling at the press conference telling them to go home yeah the reporter went on to ask trudeau just how far he was willing to go and trudeau responded with his now infamous line well just watch me. 
<laughs> did he have a skateboard at the time? He's like, well, just watch me. And then he does a kickflip. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what he was talking about, right? <laughs> yep. He invented skateboarding videos. <laughs> so side note, apparently in the media scrum, when our Trudeau issued the Emergency Measures Act, they were really hoping that he'd say the same thing because, you know, his, this is his dad. Uh, but he made sure not to go anywhere near that same line. This, sorry, this is when Justin Trudeau did it? Yeah, so when Trudeau, our Trudeau, invoked the Emergency Measures Act, the media was trying, like, really hard to get him to say, well, just watch me. <laughs> to be like, how far are you going to go? And he was just like, very much stayed away from saying that line. Yeah, maybe for the best. <laughs> I think so. On October 15th, the Quebec government formally requested assistance from the armed forces to supplement local police. Within an hour, 1,000 soldiers were deployed to key locations in Montreal. Barassa and the mayor of Montreal requested further federal assistance. That afternoon, around 3,000 students attended a rally in support of the FLQ. They called on the government to meet the terrorists' demands. Later that evening, the Quebec government announced that it would release five FLQ prisoners on parole and guarantee the two-cell safe passage out of Canada in exchange for return of the hostages. On October 16th, at the request of Premier Barassa, the Municipal Government of Montreal, and the Montreal Police Force, the federal government invoked the War Measures Act. Now, it's important to note that this is different from the Emergency Measures Act that was invoked last week. The War Measures Act was a federal law adopted by Parliament in 1914 at the beginning of the First World War. It gave broad powers to the Canadian government to maintain security and order during war, invasion, or insurrection. During the two world wars, it was used to suspend civil liberties of people in Canada who were considered enemy aliens. During the October crisis, it was used to confront the state of apprehended insurrection. So they believed that they were under attack, mm. that people were going to insurrect. Mm -hmm. Under these new emergency regulations, the FLQ was outlawed and membership became a criminal act. A person who was a member to this group or who acted or supported it in some fashion became liable to a jail term of up to five years. A person could be arrested and held without bail for up to 90 days. Normal civil liberties were suspended and arrests and detentions were authorized without charge. So different than what happened with the Emergency Measures Act. The leader of the Progressive Conservatives, former Prime Minister John Diefenbaker, and NDP leader Tommy Douglas all voiced dissenting opinions in the House of Commons. Douglas, a longtime champion of civil liberties, likened the move to using a sledgehammer to crack a peanut. <laughs> However, despite opposition at governmental levels, public opinion polls indicated a clear majority supported the invoking of the act. Within 48 hours of the invocation, more than 250 people were arrested, including labor leaders, entertainers, and intellectuals in the province. The Liberation Cell, who had been holding James Cross, declared that they were suspending indefinitely the death sentence against James, but that they would not release him until their demands were met, and that he would only be executed if the fascist police discovered them and tried to intervene. This communication indicated that the Liberation Cell was trying to influence the Schneer Cell in following the same course of action. It had already been noted that these two cells differed in their demands and communication with the media, and this underscored that the cells were acting independently and without coordination. However, the authorities did not make this communication public, and it resulted in a dire consequence. A dire consequence? What? On October 17th at 10.50pm, Laporte's body was found in the trunk of an abandoned car near the St. Hubert airport. Not Laporte. This is sad. Yes, but I'm also translating. He had been strangled in an apparent retaliation for the invocation of the War Measures Act. Canada reacted with revulsion and shock over the murder of Pierre Laporte. I'm shocked. On October 18th, warrants were issued for the arrest of Marc Carboneau and Paul Rose in connection with the kidnapping and murder of Laporte. Police issued additional warrants for the other members of the Chenier cell on October 23rd. By October 20th, police had conducted 1,628 raids under the War Measures Act. Barbara Cross, James Cross's wife, issued a public appeal to the FLQ on October 26th. On the radio station CKLM, she broadcast, To those holding my husband, I wish to express my confidence that, as he is a victim of circumstances, he will be well treated. I entertain them to free him without further delay. On November 2nd, the federal government and the Quebec government jointly offered a $150,000 reward for any information leading to the arrest of the kidnappers. And then, on November 6th, raided an apartment where they knew the Chenier cell to be. On this day, they arrested a man named Bernard Lorty, 
However, the other members of the cell hid behind a false wall in a closet and escaped the apartment the next day. On November 13th, charges had been laid against 46 people detained under the War Measures Act, and on the 21st, the authorities received a letter from Cross stating that he was still alive. Finally, on December 2nd, Jacques Cosette Trudel and his wife Louise Lancôte were arrested by Montreal police. By the next day, police had negotiated the release of James Cross in exchange for safe passage of all members of the Liberation Cell, including Cosette Trudel and his wife and their infant daughter, to Cuba. After being held in a room in a Montreal North apartment for 59 days, Cross had lost 22 pounds but was otherwise in good health. He had not been harmed and described his captors as courteous. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting that they he was kidnapped and the Montreal police were like, oh, you kidnappers? Yeah, we'll let you go to Cuba. It's fine. Yep. Paul and Jacques Rose and Francis Samard were arrested on a farm southeast of Montreal on December 28th. They and Bernard Lotti were charged with the kidnapping and murder of Pierre Laporte. Paul Rose was sentenced to life imprisonment for kidnapping and murder. Samard was sentenced to life for murder. And Lorty was sentenced to 20 years for kidnapping. Jacques Rose was acquitted of the kidnapping and murder, but was sentenced to eight years for being an accessory after the fact in the kidnapping of Laporte. All members of the Liberation Cell eventually returned to Canada, where they were sentenced to various stints in prison. So they went to Cuba and then they came back. Oh, okay. The federal response to the kidnappings was intensely controversial and is still a matter of hot debate today. A total of 497 individuals were arrested under the act. 435 were released and 62 were charged. In the spring of 1971, the Quebec government announced that it would pay up to $30,000 in compensation to roughly 100 people who were unjustly detained. After the crisis, the federal cabinet gave ambiguous instructions to the RCMP Security Service Dubious acts such as break-ins, thefts, and electronic surveillance were permitted, all without warrants. So, the RCMP were allowed to do sneaky stuff. Because of the War Measures Act? Yeah. Ah, yes. In 1988, the War Measures Act was repealed and replaced by the Emergency Act, which created more limited and specific powers for the government to deal with security emergencies. And that's the one that was just implemented. Under the Emergencies Act, cabinet orders and regulations must be reviewed by Parliament and are subject to the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Canadian Bill of Rights. So the difference there is um, the War Measures Act suspended civil liberties, so like people didn't necessarily have the same rights that they would have, mm-hmm. um, but the Emergency Measures Act says you can't do that anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, so nobody's rights are being taken away. Yeah. The events of October 1970 marked a significant loss of support for the violent wing of the Quebec sovereigntist movement, after having gained support for the past 10 years. In an interesting turn of events, in October 2020, 50 years following the Quebec crisis, Yves-Francois Blanchet, the leader of the Bloc Québécois, introduced a motion in the House of Commons demanding an official apology from the federal government, which was now led by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Pierre Elliott Trudeau's son, for invoking the War Measures Act. So Dakota, what do you think? I didn't like it. I know you didn't. (laughs) Uh, Well, at least you know, so you're not surprised. Uh, Just, you know... One Canadian politics kind of bore, bores me. That's not boring. Like, we hold had... on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There were some interesting stuff. James Cross, like the kidnapping, the the level. I didn't know that this went to that. That we've ever had something like that in somewhat recent times. Mm-hmm. That was only in the seventies, so it's kind of crazy that, uh, that you know, we've experienced something like that in sort of modern times. That you know, people were bombing shit in Canada kidnappings the uh the the killing of Lo- the port sorry Laporte. well sorry i made a mistake when i was uh translating before la means the <laughs> so he's the port mm. when the port was killed like that's crazy uh and yeah it's just crazy the you know the trudeau guy was like fucking watch me pussies <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I really like like thought his response was super interesting. Yeah. Because for him to be like, "Oh yeah, you weak babies thinking that I'm not going to do anything. Like I'm yeah. going to heavy hand this." Yeah. Um I think Justin Trudeau now with his invocation of the Emergency Measures Act had that as a shadow. Yeah. Over him the entire time like he so doesn't he had want to do that. better than his yeah. dad. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so can I Give kind of a brief summary of kind of what just went down in Canada because sure, I feel like we haven't given a full thing. I'm absolutely. sure other people 
you know, American stuff have been following what's been going on, but, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe not everybody has. So essentially, uh, a bunch of truckers got in a convoy, traveled down to Ottawa, the capital of Canada. Which is not Toronto. Which is not Toronto. Lots of people think Toronto's the capital of Canada. Oh, okay. So... Did some people go to Toronto by mistake and <laughs> no. be like, shit, where is he? Where's no. that Trudeau? <laughs> I want to watch him do a skateboard trick. So they went down there and protested for nearly four weeks. Yeah. And they parked their semis in the middle of the street in downtown Ottawa. A bunch of other vehicles came in, people that supported it. I think there was a couple thousand people. Uh, well, that first day they were there, there yeah. was about ten thousand. So, like okay. a normal protest, yeah. which is like, okay, I don't dis, I don't agree with what you're yeah. protesting, but like, you do have that right. Yeah, but then they started continuously honking their horns, which uh, semi horns can be damaging to the human ear. Yeah. So they were just wrecking people's lives for four weeks, and and they barricaded themselves in. Yeah, barricaded themselves in. They had hot tubs in the middle of the street. They mm-hmm. built stages and stuff like that, and like so they had buildings as well they were essentially they created a little town for themselves yeah, they were which is illegal they were occupying this place they yes. were they weren't protesters at this point they right. were just occupying ottawa illegally yes and so justin trudeau had to bring in the emergency measures act so he so that the government and the police could have more jurisdiction to yes. kind of uh take them out of there yeah so the police came in and kind of pushed them back and there was a hundred and some arrests um and uh the leaders were arrested uh pat king he's still he applied for bail he wasn't given bail so he's i don't think any of the leaders were given bail oh except for chris barber who's from swift current oh yeah (laughs) but who immediately violated his bail terms oh really yeah yeah so anyways there's kind of the lowdown of what's going on but they're a bunch of fuckheads (laughs) and uh they to explain how much of fuckheads they are, we listen to a sort of a kind of like a radio show that they put on on Twitter. And yeah, but that was run by trolls. I know, but let me explain. Oh, so, okay, sorry. so we're to understand that it was run by trolls who were pretending to be uh, truckers in the convoy and you know putting on that so southern drawl and whatever. But from what we gather, there was actual truckers yes. and stuff in there thinking that they were real yeah and one of the people had suggested like one of the people that were listening suggested moving the capital and then they got into how the convoy could be a moving capital so that's how fucking stupid they are (laughs) yes so i'd like to also just like make some clarifications like i totally agree with what you're saying so there are people that were in this convoy that definitely thought that they were fighting for their beliefs and they are confused about what is a right and what is a privilege. However, they do have the right to protest For sure. their beliefs. Um, so there were people that were a part of it that were manipulated and controlled by the leaders of this group who are white supremacists. And yeah. that has been 100% proven by their own statements. So Pat King, Tamara Litch, uh, Chris Barber, uh, BJ Dieter, all of those people are the organizers of this convoy. Sorry, I want to translate that Dieter into. I think it's pronounced. What was his first name? BJ. So I think his name was um, Blowjob Dipshit. I really hope we don't get doxxed by them for this. <laughs> what is doxing? <laughs> uh, they would send out our uh, information online and have people <laughs> send us death threats and shit. Well, Blowjob Dipshit, you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> Dakota. <laughs> Anywho. Come at me, bro. <laughs> oh, God. So, anywho, because they're notorious for doing that. Are they? Yes. So, anyways, uh, those people, by yeah. their own volition and yeah. by their own actions and things that they've said, are white supremacists. Yeah. And their goal, they wrote this thing called the um, Memorandum of Unity, the MOU. And their goal was to destroy Canadian government. So, they mm-hmm. wanted... The government that we have right now to be dissolved for our governor general, who doesn't actually have the powers to do this, to dissolve parliament. Um, and then they would make a committee of the trucker people and some randos from parliament to now run Canada. Which and is not how a democracy works. No. <laughs> and like we literally had an election four months ago. Yeah. 
And just because you guys didn't get what you wanted, you don't get to come in well, and the, try to overthrow well, democracy. It, it's it's a, a a baby who didn't get who what they want and is really upset about it. Yes. So it's like too fucking bad. Like I'm not uh, thrilled that Trudeau is in no. power. He fucking sucks. Absolutely. And I don't support what the liberals do. So, no. but like we don't see us having yeah. a crybaby and, tantrum. Yeah. And you know, there's something to be said about yeah, going to this convoy or sorry going to this protest protesting like we've we've been involved in 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 protests before but like then if i were there and then i saw people having swastika flags Mm -hmm. flying Mm -hmm. i'd been like ooh, you know what it's it's either it's two things it's either you tell that guy to fuck off and go home or you go you know what this isn't what i thought it was i'm gonna leave yeah but a majority of those people didn't a lot of people were like yeah that's okay yeah or they were like oh that's just one bad apple and i I think i've seen going around like tiktok and instagram it's like do you know the rest of that phrase one bad apple spoils the bunch yeah good point so like i don't know why you're just (laughs) ignoring the second part of that whole um phrase that people say yeah no kidding so anyways i know we maybe seem rather negative towards this and maybe maybe a little mean but you know this is people in our country trying to take down democracy exactly <laughs> and i'm i'm not too pleased with that that no. that this has made so they a lot of them were, had canadian flags on their trucks and yeah. like trying to be like this is canada that has kind of spoiled the canadian flag for me me too it's it was a symbol of this is our home, and yeah. now it's a, it's an kind of an embarrassment and a honestly. symbol of hate, even yeah. And seeing what went down there, I you know how like the whole Trump shit that went down that was kind of sorry, American listeners was kind of a laughing stock. Yeah, I feel like this is our laughing it stock. Is. It is one hundred. It's embarrassing. It really is. You know, it, it's uh, being Canadian uh, for me was a sense of pride and. In a way, they're kind of taking that Absolutely. <laughs> from I, me. Yeah, I so. agree with you 100%. So, and it's sad because yeah. if you look at the actual data and the numbers, 90% of Canadians do not support what they're doing. Yeah, which I am, that I am proud of. Yeah. There is still pride to be a Canadian. It's just, it's an, it's an embarrassment on our history. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And the part that I think I really just want to drive home is that there are definitely two groups here. Um, and I think that we, as people in society need to do a better job of educating people how to read critically, because there are people that were there that don't understand what's happening because they trust Facebook as a real news source and that they believe that that is factual because they can't trust the mainstream media, Mm -hmm. but they don't realize that the majority of the things that we see on Twitter and Facebook are actually Russian misinformation bots. Mm -hmm. And they are being put out onto the internet to spread disinformation and make chaos in both America and Canada. And so those people who don't know how to read critically and understand what's actually happening in this world are being manipulated by not only the white supremacists that lead this group, Mm -hmm. but also by Russia. And we need to get better at helping those people who don't get it. And I, I don't know, I kind of believe, like, saying you're stupid doesn't really help, but, like, I do think that they're a little bit stupid. Well, but, like, but also, that's my, <laughs> this is more my deal. I'm just kind of an asshole, so. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Like, I don't think there's anything. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how we come as a society together to help educate these people who don't want to listen about what's actual truth. That's the thing is I, I'm scared that there's there's no coming back from it with the you know with the social media age that we're in it's just you see something you believe it and then there's no changing your mind yeah and i'm not in in many ways i I guess i could say even for myself Mm -hmm. that that's the that's the case you can't nobody could sway me in the other direction to convince me that this protest this occupation rather was right yeah so I guess in the same way I'm similar in that sense, but I guess we all believe what we're doing is right, but mm-hmm. uh, that's where the division of our society is, is that nobody's willing to fucking listen. Yeah. But I think, I think 
I don't know. I I don't know. I feel I don't know. I don't have an answer. It's uh it's scary and it's I think something we need to all be better at, left and right. Absolutely. I definitely could get better at it. We I do could. think though. Yeah. Not trusting bots from Russia. Yeah. Is a good that's place a, to that's start. weird that you say that. I've no, I haven't personally heard that and Oh yeah, there's a whole yeah. So like all of the the Trump 2016, all of that sort of stuff. Like that's where it kind of originated and yeah. so Russia's been doing this for a very long time because they want western north america to collapse into chaos yeah and which it kind of has kind of work, it's kind of working <laughs> yeah no i just find that that interesting because like i don't all this stuff like i don't see this kind of stuff on any of my feeds well that's because we're not yeah following that we're not yeah freaking mili- like white supremacists who yeah, are we're getting not, we're not or we're, QAnon followers we're no blowjob dipshits <laughs> we're not um and it's hard to explain to that to them because they don't trust mainstream media because they're like, it lies. Well, yeah. not, it's not a bot. Yeah. They have to have factual reporting. Yeah. And then they trust Fox, which is I know not legit. Yeah. Fucking Tucker Carlson. Ugh. Old listeners will know how I feel about that blowjob dipshit. <laughs> okay. All right. Enough negativity. Yes. Let's get on to the negativity of this review. Oh, no. <laughs> I am going to give this. I feel like it's a lower than a five. No, it isn't. Oh, good. It's actually a six. Okay. Point three. Yeah. James, Jesus Christ, this was boring. <laughs> out of ten. I mean, I was super fucking hype about it. I'm so. glad you were. The, ki- <laughs> the kidnapping saved it a bit. I was originally going for a six, but the the kidnapping brought it up a bit. There was some interesting stuff in there. I, I liked that our uh, one of our old Justin Trudeau's father, Prime Minister, was really into skateboarding. I didn't know that. That was really cool. Yeah. So anyways, take us out, dear. Well, that's all we have for this week. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from wherever you get your podcasts leave a review or tell your friends about us because indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact or see behind the scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian, on Facebook under The Reluctant Historian Podcast, or we've also got a Twitter now, which is at Reluc Historian, because there wasn't enough characters to make The Reluctant Historian. So follow us there. I'm starting to tweet a bit, trying to figure out that whole platform. You can also leave us uh, some tips at buymeacoffee.com slash the historian. You can also shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted to the reluctant historian at gmail.com. I think we need to like keep putting our socials in our episode notes now so people can find us easier. That's a good idea. Yeah. Let's discuss this off air. <laughs> so we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. I, I've, I've got a new theme song for what the convoy should have played while they were driving down the street. If you believe in truck after truck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.